Tonight I want to look in Matthew chapter 23. I'm going to read quite a few verses and uh, then we'll go back and go back through them and, and preach on each verse. Amen. Matthew chapter 23, verse number 13. But woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees and hypocrites, for ye shut up the kingdom of heaven against men, for ye have neither go in in yourselves, neither suffer ye them that enter in to go in. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for ye devour widows' houses, and for a present uh, pestilent, and uh, make a long prayer, therefore ye shall receive the greater damnation. Now this verse, verse 14, is left out of the ESV and International Version. That ver I wonder why. I wonder why they left that verse out, because it's got, you shall receive the greater of the damnation. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you can compass sea and land and make one proselyte, and when he is made, you make, uh, make, you make him twofold more than the children of hell than yourselves. Woe unto you, you blind guides, which say whatsoever shall swear by the temple, it is nothing, but whosoever shall swear by the gold of the temple, he is a debtor. Go to verse number 23. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, and hypocrites, for you paid tithes and mints and anise and cummins and have omitted the weightier, weightier matters of the law, judgment, mercy, and faith. These ought ye have done and not leave the other undone. 25. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you make clean the outside of the cup and the platter, but within they are full of extortion and excess. Verse 27, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for ye are like unto the whited sepulchres, which indeed appear beautiful outward, but, in, but are within full of dead men's bone and his uncleanness. Verse 29, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, because you build the tombs of the prophets and garnish the sepulchres of the righteous. Let us pray. Father, we just thank you tonight, Lord. Just ask you to touch our hearts, lift us up, and encourage us. Help us to be what we need to be, Father. We just praise and glorify you. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. There are eight woes in this chapter, uh, and we see that Jesus, that he's speaking to these uh, people, uh, the Pharisees and scribes and hypocrites. And, and I want you to see something. He said, woe unto these scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. There, there is an exclamation point after each and every one of them. Uh, he, he, I, I believe uh, when he was saying that, he wasn't going, well, you scribes, you hypocrites, you Pharisees, we've got to get our act together. No, I don't believe he was doing that. I, I believe that he was trying to get his point across. He was trying to, uh, uh, he's looking them dead in the eyes. He's pointing his fingers at them. I believe he was getting frustrated and they're trying to get his uh, point across to them. Uh, can I say Matthew 23 is one of the toughest messages a preacher could ever preach. It's pointed direct. It's in your face. And this Jesus preaches. And can you imagine standing there? Jesus preaching this and uh, uh, the Son of God preaching uh, like this. And he's got his finger right in your face. And woe you scribes, hypocrites, and Pharisees. Matthew's gospel records the Lord dealings with the Pharisees more than any other of the gospels. It mentions the Pharisee, no Pharisee, or uh, at least 30 times throughout the gospel of Matthew. We find that the problem with the Pharisees was they had a, had a religion, 
without a relationship. They had religion, but they didn't have a relationship. Can I say there's something wrong with a religion, really? The Bible says pure religion, undefiled before God. That means nothing wrong with religion. Religion's all right. Religion means a person that sets a strict uh, standard religion, uh, attitudes, uh, uh, beliefs, and practices. That means they, they hold to what they believe. They're devoted to their religion, to faith. They observe all their ordinances. That's a good thing in the child of God's life today. The problem is, listen to me, is you have the right rules and right regulations, but there's no relationship within your religion. There is no religion outside the Bible that offers you a relationship with God. He, he wants to have a one-on-one -on -one personal relationship with you. He wants to walk with you. He wants to talk with you. He wants to fellowship with you. And more than that, he wants to live on the inside of you. There's not a religion in this world that can say, my God died for me. He left paradise and came to this world to die for you so that he can live inside of us. So I, I, I understand that religion, people have this religion idea that I have to be this way or that way, but they're empty and dead inside. When you read the life of Paul, and you study the life of Paul, uh, Paul, uh, he gave some, uh, he, 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 he didn't drink before he got saved, but after he got saved, he preached to the church about not drinking. Before he got saved, he preached about long hair, men having long hair. And when he got saved, he preached about men and how they should wear their hair. He, he preached, uh, he, before he got saved, he, he, he didn't cuss or use vile language. And after he got saved, he preached that a man's tongue should be uh, controlled. But the whole thing of it is, Paul had standards. Paul had, uh, they had uh, uh, rules and they had regulations. But Paul did not have a relationship. Paul done things uh, before he got saved that he done after he got saved. And that's not bad. Can I say that? Paul said there is a relationship with the Lord. And this crowd, they're walking around the day saying, because I'm saved, I can do anything I want to do. You find the joy in doing them. Can I say, if somebody makes you do something, they come at you and say, you will do this, you will do that, you will do it this way, yeah, you can't go in a way, it, it, it makes it hard for you want to do that. You have no joy in it. You may do those things, uh, but you have no joy in those things. Uh, but I'm telling you though, if you get saved and get right, God comes inside of you. Those things that, that you didn't have joy in doing, now you got joy in doing them, that you want to do those things. Amen. I didn't used to want to go to church all the time. I didn't used to want to read my Bible. I didn't used to want to pray. But when I got saved, now I want to come to church. I want to pray. I want to read my Bible. Amen. 
when you're forced to do something, it's hard on you. But when you do it because you enjoy it, boy, that's something a bit different, amen? Because there's a relationship. You're no longer empty inside or dead inside. You have a relationship. The problem of the Pharisees is they got religion. They constantly got religion. They're adding stuff to their religion. It's not in the Bible. But they have absolutely no relationship whatsoever. It's that relationship with Jesus that brings joy into their lives. There's no joy in anything they do. Uh, they're, they're mean, they're mad, they're upset. When they fast, they look bad. You never find them singing. You never find them rejoicing. They have got nothing and they're dead on the inside. All they've got is rules and regulations. If you don't have a relationship to go along with what you have, you have got nothing and you're going to end up in a miserable wreck. Yep. Here we find the Lord rebukes this crowd. He calls them fools, blind, hypocrites, serpents, vipers, children of hell. White, white and suppers. So I believe if we can take these verses that we just read, where Jesus is pointing his fingers at these Pharisees and calling them all these names, and he's getting right in their face, I believe if we take this and apply it to our lives, that we will not have a dead inside, but we'll have the relationship we need with the Lord and bring us joy and happiness in what we do. First of all, we see the, the woe of the seat they tried to fill in verse number 1. If you look at verse number 1, it said, Then spake Jesus to the multitude and the disciples, saying, The scribes and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. You say, what's that got to do with us? What's that got to do anything with us? Well, if you go to Exodus chapter 18, verse 13, it'll tell you exactly what was going on in Exodus 18 and 13. Uh, that's when Moses sat down to judge uh, Israel. They brought all the uh, things uh, for Moses, and Moses judged them. So what he's saying is uh, uh, they're trying to judge everybody else. They're trying to act like Moses. They're trying to give, they're, they're trying to be something they're not. They're judging in the place of God. Moses was trying to give them wisdom. What exactly wants out of their life, what God wanted out of their lives. Trying to get people to get their mind of God instead of the mind of Moses. They, he was trying to tell them, this is what God said. This is what God wants. Do this, do that, follow this. Moses' seat could beat the people, bow down to the people. But watch what the Pharisees, when they get into the seat of Moses, the power. Verse 3, All therefore whatsoever they bid you deserve, they deserved and do. But do not ye after the works... For they say and do not. 
They will tell you something you had to do. You had to act this way, talk this way, walk this way. You had to do this. You had to do exactly like this. But they would not do it themselves. Do as I say, not as I do mentality ahead. They tell you what, to, what you should be doing in your life, how you should act. But they never point the fingers back at themselves and apply it to their own lives. You see John chapter 8, the, the woman called in the act of adultery and, and they brought her before Jesus. Can I say when she got caught in the act of adultery, she wasn't there by herself. There was two, takes two, the tango. She was there with someone else, but you do not see him being brought before Jesus. You don't see both of them brought the according to the law of Moses that both of them are to be stoned to death. Not just one, but both. So they bring this woman to Jesus and says, well, the law says she's to be stoned to death. The reason why they didn't bring him with her because he was one of their own. He was, one of the, he was one of those that's standing there with a stone in his hand ready to just cast it right at her. He was ready. He sat back and he was ready to do business. That's the reason why they didn't bring him because he was one of their own. They're not going to condemn their own. It was a setup. The dangerous thing about coming to Pharisees, you were willing to throw a rock at someone for doing something that you are doing yourself. Don't try to be a righteous standard to somebody else's life when you don't have it in your life. Listen to me. We don't have the seat of Moses in this church. I am not the judge. You're not the judge. The Word of God is the judge. That's why we put it on the podium. That's why it's lifted up high because it is the word of God that, that judges. The Bible says we have one that judges us and it's the word that I have spoken. We have a judge and it's the word of God. And, ju and God's word judges all. Not just some, but all. We're all to live according to the standards. We're not to meet uh, the standards of ourselves. We're not to make up the standards, but we're to leave the standards of the Word of God tonight. He said, whoa, you got, you got a problem. Y'all got a problem. You're trying to fill a seat that you can't fill. You're trying to people to do something that you don't do. There's a problem. Woe unto you Pharisees. Get your act right. And he said, woe to their spectacle. Verse 5. And, but all their works they had done to be seen of men, they made broad their philosophies uh, and enlarged the borders of their garment and loved the uppermost room of the feast and the chief seats of the synagogue. Jesus said in verse 11, but... He that is the greatest among you shall be a servant, and whosoever shall exalt himself shall be abased, and he that shall humble himself shall be exalted. You know what these people were doing? You know what these people were? They were fakes. They were fakes. I, I don't ever want to get to the place where I'm serving God and worshiping God, 
And all I'm doing in my Christian walk is just a show. I, I don't want it to be, look at me now, look at me now. Where it's not real. You know what pe people love to hear Jesus preach? It was the common people. It was the common people. It said the common people heard him gladly. The reason why common people liked Jesus is because they were real folks, real problems, real failures. But the Pharisees knew that they had the exact same problem, the exact same failures, but they acted like they didn't have any failures or faults in their life. They watched the Pharisees preach a message to do this and do that. Then they would watch themselves out in public and do something totally opposite what they would preach about. They flip-flopped their lives. What they were on the inside that was different on the outside. Can I say that goes on in church today? Uh, uh, we look like one way inside the church, uh, but when we get home, we look like another way. We talk another way. We walk another way. We're living a different life from inside the church than we do when we're on outside of the church. And can I say, if you're living that kind of life, if you act in one way in church and another way at home, there are souls in your hands that you need to be careful of. You've got children at your house, they see you. You know the reason why a lot of teenagers, when they get 18 years old, leave the church, don't hang out with church anymore? Because they've heard it all their lives. They heard in the church this and that, mom and daddy's this and that, but when they go home, they see mom and daddy act a totally different way. And they say, well, if mom and daddy don't act away, if mom and daddy don't believe in it, mom and daddy says it ain't real, or they hear the mom and daddy talk about the, the message or the preacher or anything like that. So it, don't, it makes sense that they're going to get up and leave when they get old enough to leave. Now, I'm not talking about sinless perfection. Ain't none of us sinless. Ain't none of us perfect. And I'm talking about walking out and they don't even recognize you from the outside, from the inside. You're totally different. That's what causes people to leave the church. You act one way inside the church. You praise God and you sing and you, you shout and you got joy. When you walk outside the church, get in your car on the way home, you already done start throwing out words that you shouldn't be throwing out. Amen. That's you, you better get right. I, I don't claim to be perfect. I've got a lot of faults and I've got a lot of failures. But in my heart of hearts, I try to live my best to do exactly what I preach and what God has told me to do. But it's a shame that people have standards, and I'm talking about the pulpit now. It's a shame that a preacher would get up and preach and point his fingers out and say, you shouldn't do this, shouldn't do that, and you don't do this. But yet when they go outside, they do exactly what they preach against. A double standard. Do as I say, not as I do. And I say that that's because the pre that's the reason why I got problems in church because the preacher preached that. But it's not only the standard for the preacher, but it's the standard for every member of the church. You've got to be one way and one way only. You've got to serve God. You can't live in the world and serve God both. You've got to make a choice. Where are you going to stand at? We don't see that anymore. 
You say, well, pray for my children. Well, I can pray for your children, but my prayers is not going to overrule your lifestyle you have with your kids at home. Amen. If you're not living the life at home, I can't help you. I can't help you. See the woe of salvation, the obstruction of it. Verse 13. But woe unto you, scribes, Pharisees, hypocrites, where you shut up the kingdom of heaven against men. For you neither go in yourselves, neither suffer to them to, or enter in, in. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you devour widows' houses, and for the pretense make long prayer, therefore you shall receive the greater damnation. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you can pass sea and land and make proselytes, and when they are made, you make him twofold more than a child of hell than yourselves. These Pharisees are not going to heaven. And they're doing their best to keep somebody else from going to heaven. This is a huge arena where the devil works at. You say, well, the devil works at, and well, the devil don't work down at the bars. The devil doesn't work down at the drug houses. Why? Because he's already got them. He don't need to go down there and bug them. This is a huge arena where the devil works at. He's already got, it's He's this there. Uh, those down at the bars, those down at the drug house, a lot of times that's not even devil. He ain't got to worry about it. It's just a flesh problem. You have to deal with a flesh problem. The, de the devil is hanging out in religious places. He's trying to keep people blinded in the religion and going to hell. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, and not marvel for Satan himself is transformed to angel light. Therefore, it is no great thing if his ministers also be transformed into the ministers of righteousness. Satan is trying to keep people lost and going to hell even in religion today. But I go to church. I go to church. The Bible says, Lord, Lord, we have, not, have we not prophesied in thy name? Have we not cast out devils? Have we not done many wonderful works in thy name? Then he was still, I confess unto thee, I never knew you depart from me, you work of iniquity. The devil is working hard in the churches today to keep people blinded, keep people empty on the inside. I've got this outward appearance of a Christian, but inside I'm dead and nothing but dried up bones. I, I don't have no joy. I don't have no life in my no more. I, I'm just something that's going through the motions. And we have an awful lot of that in churches today. Just going through the motions. Look at the stuff they omitted. Verse 23, Woe unto you, scribes, Pharisees, hypocrites, for we paid tithes of mints and anise and cummins, and have omitted the weightier matter of the law, judge, mercy, and fault, uh, faith. These ought to be done and not to leave the other one undone. We find here that when even it, when they're tithing on the tiniest seeds, the, those seeds are the tiniest. Listen, I believe in tithing. I practice it. I, I believe in it. I know some churches where pastors don't, don't believe they need a tithe. But listen, just because you're tithing, you think you have arrived at the Christian walk, that's just the very beginning. Tithing is just the very beginning. I, I believe in tithing. I believe you ought to tithe. I believe you ought to make a practice of tithing. But it's just the very beginning of the foundation of a Christian walk. If you think you're the top of the Christian law, you're not, you're not there. He says the weightier matters of the law. 
There's bigger stuff to get to. He said judgment. That's like discernment between good and evil. He said mercy and faith. I have found that it's easier for me to give money than it is for me to give mercy. I, I found that it's easier for me to just go ahead and tie to a mission and other, and so I don't have to go downtown and tell somebody about Jesus. I gave my money. I gave my time. I gave to missions. I gave to this. I, I watched it. But that's not the point of it. That's not the point of it. It is our job to tell everyone we come in contact with. It's not, it's not I've given my money. I, I've done what I need to do. No, you've got weightier matters of the things. You've got to do everything you're supposed to be. I find it's easier for me to just go ahead and tie instead of giving mercy. I've gave my money. Can I say this? And I pray to the Lord we never get to the point that we do this. There are so many churches today has maximized the money and minimized the souls. They're, they're, they're looking at what they can get and what the bank account is and trying to maximize that bank account, but then they don't, they don't do anything about the souls that is lost and undone. They minimize that. I gave my money. I done this, but I'm not going to go over and witness to somebody. And that's what the Pharisees, they maximize their, their money. They're, they're focused on the money. They're focused on what they're doing, but they're not focusing on the souls that are lost and undone. Verse 16, Woe unto you, you blinded guides, which say, Whatsoever shall swear by the temple is nothing, but whatsoever shall swear by the gold of the temple, he is a debtor. You fools and you blind for whether... Is great, greater the gold or the temple to sanctify, sanctify the gold? Ye fools and blind, you are whether it is greater for the gift or the altar that sanctified it. It is easy to get to the place where you start looking more at the money than the stuff that we are to give our money for that makes it worthwhile. Can, I, can you put a price tag on somebody's soul? Somebody lost and undone. Can you put a price tag when somebody's life has changed? We live in a church world today where men look at more at the money than they do the souls of men today. I'm talking about us doing something. Doing something. Look at the secret they concealed in verse 25. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you made clean the outside the cup and the platter, but they are full of extortion and excess. Thou blind Pharisees, clean first, and watch is whiter than the cup and platter. That's the outside of them that will be cleaner than also. You, you see what Jesus does. He's not minimizing making the outside looking right. He's not doing that. But he's maximizing on what the inside should look like. He, he said you should be clean on the outside, but it, it, the inside it starts out. The biggest problem with religion without relationship, religion without relationship fixes the outside. That is religion is for is fix the outside, make you right, but 
The problem is there's no relationship on the inside. I have all the right stuff on the outside. I look the part. I dress the part. I talk the part. But there's something missing on the inside. Can I say the outside is nothing but a reflection of what God has done on the inside? It's nothing but a reflection of what God is doing in your life. It, it changes you from the inside outward, and your outward should be clean. But when your outside is clean, there should be a relationship on the inside that cleanses and makes you right. He says, there, there, you, got, you got everything right, except there's no relationship. What comes out of your mouth reflects what God is doing in your life. What, do you put, what you put on your body reflects what God is doing in your life. Where you go reflects what God is doing in your life. What you do with your money reflects on what God is doing in your life. Amen. It should be a reflection from the outside. And if you're saved, it does change you. Your reflection on the outside reflects on who you are on the inside. It, it should say Jesus has made a difference in my life. And the inside says it and the outside will show it. We should not be looking. For, I, I, I would say when somebody comes into church, we first, we, let's all be honest with us, we kind of look them over. I'm going to see if he's going to measure up to my standards. They ain't your standards they got to measure up to. I don't come in if they look like they fell in a tackle box. It don't matter to me. Because it's not my job to clean them up on the outside. I, I like to get them on the inside of church and let God get on the inside. God will change the outside. Amen. We got too many churches that, well, you don't look right, you don't dress right, you don't talk right, so you can't come here. Amen. If we do what we're supposed to do, we invite them in and then let God get on the inside and change everything on the inside, it'll change. Now, don't get me wrong. They're going to have scars from this world. Everybody's got scars from this world. I can't change that. You can't change that. But from this day on, we can be what God has called us to be because we got a relationship with God. Amen. Let me give you this last point. And this is the saddest point of all. Lord, help us we ever get to this place. The Savior that they shun in verse 37. O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou killest the prophet and stonest them which are sent unto thee. How often would I have gathered thy children together, even as a hen gathered her chickens under their wing, but you were not. Behold, your house is left unto you desolate. For I say unto you, you shall not see me henceforth till you shall say, Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Do you notice those two words? Your house. Your house. If you go back to chapter 21 and verse 13, Jesus said, It is written, 
my house. He had just kicked out the money changers. He had just cleaned it out. He flew over the tables and everything. He cleans it out. And he says, I've got it clean. This is, this is my house. It's my house. I got it clean. And if you study the timeline here, it's just another day. This is, this, this is one day after it. You see in Matthew 21, he cleansed the temple, got it right, walks out back in Matthew 23, and he sees that nothing has changed on the inside. They had set the tables back up. They've got the money changers coming right back in. He says, you know what? This is your house. Do what you want to do. Act the way you want to act. It's not my house no more. There are churches today that have kicked him out. And he says, this is your house. Do it your way. But I have no part of it. It's no longer my house. Lord, help us we ever kick Jesus out of this church. It is not my house. It's not your house. It is his house. And we want to keep him in the house. I don't want to get to the place where we'll run Jesus off because of what we're doing in this house of God. He says, your house, your house. Y'all just do what you want, do what you see fit. I'm out of here. Lord, help us. God, help us. Woe unto you, the Pharisees. Woe unto you. Lord, help us never become a Pharisee. Lord, help us to be what we need to be. Stand the way we should stand. I, I want to make sure the world, when it sees me, I want them to see Jesus. And if I ain't reflecting him on the inside, I'm not going to reflect him on the outside. You need to find out what you're reflecting. A lot of us reflect the wrong things. You get Jesus in your heart, you'll start reflecting the right thing, and it will show on the outside. Lord, help us not to be a Pharisee. I don't want to be called a Pharisee. I don't want to be called a hypocrite. I don't want to be called that. Amen.